Anybody in here um, regularly deal with anxiety, fear, or stress? <laughs> uh, probably most of us. Uh, I do. Not. I don't sense anxiety as much as, for me, fear and stress. I have a fear of getting behind. I love staying on top of stuff, and I just I fear getting behind. I have a fear of disappointing other people. I have this strong desire to, to please other people and a fear of disappointing other people. I put a lot of pressure on myself to perform and produce. Maybe you're like that. Maybe you would describe yourself as somebody who's wound a little bit tight. Maybe you have trouble sleeping. Maybe you're stressed. Maybe medical problems cause anxiety. Maybe the news makes you fearful. Maybe you struggle when things don't go right because you don't have any margin in your schedule and everything's got to go just right all the time. Otherwise, you kind of lose it. Maybe you put a lot of pressure on yourself. Maybe others put a lot of pressure on you. If you're normal, you feel some of those things, right? And it doesn't matter. Like, you might be retired, and that's, that doesn't mean, like, life is easy, right? There's other things that come. Uh, parents uh, feel this. Single people feel this. Teenagers feel this. Everybody feels these kinds of things. I think overall, I could share statistics, but not going to. But Americans generally are often anxious, fearful, stressed, depressed. Um, That's just how we are. So the question is, how do we deal with it? Um, If you're like most people, you learn to cope or live with these things in unhealthy ways, right? You just stay busy so you don't have to think about it. You pursue pleasure, entertainment, distraction, consuming information, whatever kind of makes you forget about that stuff for a little bit of time. That's why I found this teaching from Jesus that I'm going to share today in the middle of Luke's gospel so helpful for me, and I hope it'll be helpful for you as well. So if you have a Bible with you, open up to Luke chapter 12. One of my goals while I was away was reading through the gospel of Luke, uh, and I came across this passage in Luke and had to spend some time uh, there and spent some more time in it now studying this week upon returning. You might recall that Luke is a doctor and historian whose intent in writing this gospel was to give an orderly account of the things that Jesus came and did. That's what he says right there in chapter 1. And by the time you get to chapter 12, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem And Luke is giving us an account of some of the things that Jesus taught to his disciples, and not just to his disciples, but to huge crowds. If you looked at the beginning of chapter 12, you would find this. It says, in the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples, okay? So so at this time in Jesus' ministry, he's become very popular and well-known. Thousands of people coming to hear his teaching. And by the time we get to this section here in chapter 12, he's talking specifically to his disciples. Chapter 12 is a great chapter. He's been giving them warnings of what to watch out for, telling them to fear God, teaching them how valuable they are to God, telling them how to view earthly treasures, telling them how to deal with anxiety, worry, and fear. Now he's talking specifically to his disciples, and that's where we're going to pick it up in verse 22. So if you're able to, would you stand as we read God's word? Let's pray first, Father. Uh, 
Uh, people don't need to hear uh, so much about my experience. They need to hear your word. They need your spirit working in them. I need your spirit working in me as I try to communicate. And we need your spirit working in us as we try to understand your word, that we might know what, what your word says in order that we might know you, in order that we might live with the kind of faith and trust in you that is pleasing and honoring to you and good for us and for others. And so be at work now by your spirit. Bring about conviction. There's areas of our life where we need to be convicted of sin. There's areas of our life where we need to be encouraged and built up. So, so do whatever you please to do now as your word is read and preached for the sake of your name. Amen. Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 22, God's word says this, and he said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. You can be seated. Oh man, there's so much there uh, that we could spend time on. I'm going to hopefully faithfully kind of walk us through, but I'm going to miss a whole bunch that we could spend way more time on than we have together for about another half hour. But uh, I hope it's useful inside your bulletin. There's a sermon notes page that might help for you to follow along to remember things afterwards on the back and application guide for you to work through on your own this week. First point is this, anxious, question mark, consider and seek. The passage begins saying, and he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you. Now the, the therefore, again, when we see a therefore, we, we wonder what it's there for, and the therefore is pointing ahead to what we just saw right before it. He had just told his disciples, listen you guys, life is not about the stuff that you attain. That's foolish. To, to, to spend your life Focusing on attaining more things because you know what? You could die and then that's going to be left to somebody else and your soul could be demanded of you that night. Stop focusing on attaining more and more things. So he's talked about what's important in life and then he says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat nor about your body what you will put on. So it's a command, right? That's a command. Do not be anxious. Why not? 
Look at the next verse, verse 23. For, so there's the reason, right? For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. He's acknowledging that for his disciples and I think for all of us, it's really easy to get totally focused on what's right in front of us. What's right in front of you? What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? The stuff of life, our life, our body. I mean, our body seems important. Our life seems important. And so we would naturally think about and spend a lot of time focused on what's right in front of us. The daily life, daily stuff of life seems important to us. But Jesus commands his disciples not to be anxious about the daily stuff of life that seems to be important. Now, <laughs> this command... Therefore, do not be anxious. Like, there's some commands in the Bible that are hard to obey. And this one is like, I would love to obey that command, right? Like, I don't want, like, nobody's like, I'm really really hoping to be anxious today, right? We don't hope for that, but we are, and we're yet commanded by Jesus not to be. Great, I don't want to be anxious. I'm thankful that this is not just a command that, like, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious, period, and then Jesus goes away for a while. No, there, there, there's the how. How am I in, in this world where there is a lot about this life and about my body and all these things that cause anxiety in me, how am I to not be anxious in this life? Well, Jesus tells us a bit about how in the verses that follow. Verse 23 said, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. But then verse 24, this word, consider. This is the word that I got to just kind of dwell on. I'll tell you more about this here in a little bit. But I came back. I didn't have like tools with me to look this stuff up when I was out in the mountains. Came back and looked up, what does consider mean? Because this is a word that God kept bringing to my mind throughout the time that I was away. Consider, what, is, what does that mean? Here's what consider means. Consider means... To fix your mind on something or to think very carefully. Okay, that's what the Greek word translated into English as consider means is to fix your mind on something or to think very carefully. That word shows up 14 times in the New Testament and two of them are right here in this passage. Okay, so to consider something is to fix your mind on something or to think carefully about something. All right, what are we supposed to think carefully about? If we're, if we're to not be anxious, we're supposed to think carefully to fix our mind on something else. Well, it's kind of interesting that he tells you to think about a bird, isn't it? Like, if you're, like, somebody's dealing with anxiety, your first thought isn't like, hey, think about birds. Like, what? Well, that's what Jesus says, right? He says, consider the ravens. That's a kind of bird, right? They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Why does Jesus want his disciples to think about birds? It's because he wants to help them to understand that their their lives, they're somehow provided for by God, and they don't they don't like build barns. The guy in the passage right before us, the parable Jesus told, he was like, I got too much stuff. What am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to have to tear down my barns and build bigger ones. That's what I'm going to do. And Jesus says, you know, like, Birds don't do that, right? If you have the Jesus Storybook Bible for your kids, uh, which if you don't have, if you don't have it, and you have little kids, you should use the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's great. There's a picture in there of a bird pushing a shopping cart, right? Because it's a silly idea 
Like, they don't do that. They're not, like, you're not going to find birds at hy and Fairway concerned about what they're going to eat. They're not making a menu up for that week, trying to figure it all out. So Jesus says, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. And then this, of how much more value are you than the birds? Of how much more value are you than the birds? I mean, some of you have animals that you need to care for. Like, you have pets, and and they eat because you feed them, right? I spent the last week with llamas, and we just needed to put them in a place where they could eat their own stuff. But, But think of how many animals exist in the world that nobody's caring for. Like, you got a bird feeder out maybe in your house, but that's feeding like a fraction of the birds that are out there, Right? The bird population is not going to decline if your bird feeder breaks, right? Or if you run out of bird seed, right? And so, Jesus reminding his disciples, who probably spent a lot more time outside than most of us do, look at birds and and keep this in mind. You're more valuable than birds. You're way more valuable to God than birds. So he reminds them of that good to go outside and to see those things. Then he says in verses 25 and 26, basically consider how worthless it is to worry. Right? Consider how worthless it is to worry. Look at verse 25. And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Like, does your anxiety bring that about? Verse 26, if then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Now, you might have a translation that, that uses the word worry instead of anxious, right? It, it's, it's essentially, um, you could translate it either way. Jesus here is asking rhetorical questions to get his disciples to think. Basically, ask like, what have you ever accomplished by worrying? Right? Has that, has that gotten you anything? Did it add a single hour to your life? Have you ever gotten to a point like, wow, I sure am glad I spent time worrying about that. Right? We, we, don't, we don't say that. Man, so glad. So glad I didn't sleep last night worrying about that. That was great. Right? No, it's not, it's not what we want. And Jesus is just pointing out how worthless it is to worry. And then he gets back to another thing for us to consider. Verses 27 and 28. He says, consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Right? So, so consider something else. Actually, the, I had to bring a different Bible with me because I didn't want to ruin my Bible. So I had a different translation with me. And, and I'm sitting out in the middle of a field of wildflowers reading this verse. And in the translation I was using, it says, consider the wildflowers. I go, okay, well, I can just do that for a while. Right? Close the Bible, look at wildflowers. Oftentimes we were walking through. And, and maybe some of you have like plants at your house. And you're really bad at trying to keep them alive. Like you've, you've done everything you can and you can't keep plants alive at your house. Think about how many wildflowers exist that nobody does a single thing with. Right? Nobody does a single thing. And Jesus says, consider those wildflowers. Consider those lilies that are growing. 
They're not, they're not doing anything. They, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Then listen to verse 28. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Consider those wildflowers and again be reminded of your value right? More valuable to God than birds and wildflowers. If God's going to take care of flowers out in the wild, He's going to take care of you and your body. Lesson, they're going to burn up soon and you're more valuable than them. God will take care of you. He again tells His disciples one of their problems and one of our problems, I think, is we lack faith. He tells them, oh, you of little faith. So Jesus told his anxiety-prone, worry-inclined disciples to consider, to fix their mind on something, to understand, to think carefully about something. We're going to come back to that uh, as a point of application here in a little bit because I think we need to hear that too. But I want to just finish up this section first. The other thing that Jesus told his disciples to do, aside from considering, is this. Look at verses 29 to 31. He told them to seek. So to consider and seek. Verse 29. And do not seek. So first he tells them what not to seek. What are they not to seek? Do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. Those things that are right in front of you that seem really important, don't spend your lives worrying about and seeking them. Now seeking, I kind of defined consider, right? And to define seeking, it's just this, to strive after or to chase, okay? Kids, you play hide and seek, right? And there's somebody hiding, and the one seeking is intently looking for and going after the one who's hiding, right? You're trying to find the person who's hiding. That's what you do when you're the seeker. And Jesus says, don't don't seek those things that seem so important that are right in front of you. Why not? Verse 34, Again, that word for, for all the nations of the world seek after these things and your father knows that you need them. Okay, Why, why, why are we not to give all of our time and attention in life to, 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 to the things that seem so visible and so necessary right in front of us? Two reasons he gives. One, everybody else is seeking after those things. And we're supposed to live a little differently than everybody else. All the nations of the world, right? Everybody else. That, that's what kind of seems most important to them. But what seems most important to us is different than what's most important to them. So what they spend their life striving after, chasing after, that's not what we spend our life striving after and chasing after. Because we're different than them. All the nations of the world seek after these things. And then reason number two, your father knows you need them. Right? Your father knows that you need them. Not everybody But I was blessed to grow up in a home where I had a father and a mother who knew what I need, and they provided for me, right? I I didn't even have to think. I I didn't think about it. (laughs) And most of us would just long, like, man, I'd love to have that kind of childlike faith again. Like, I don't even know where this food comes from, but it's here. I don't know where my clothes come from, but I'm wearing them, right? I'm fine. Like, like that kind of childlike, you maybe... And some, some kids really do deal with a lot of anxiety. But when we're well provided for, 
we know we're secure in knowing that somebody loves us and knows our needs and will take care of us. And Jesus is saying, like, as, as followers, as disciples of Jesus, we can know that. I'm a father who knows what you need. Right? So we need to also, I think, consider that. And then he tells us to seek something. Verse 31. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. So he's not saying, not saying like, food and clothing and all the things we normally get anxious. Not that they're not important. But what he's saying to seek is not those things. That's not primary. What's primary is the kingdom of God. Seek that. And as you seek that, trust that he, the Father who knows what you need, will provide everything else that you need. Seek his kingdom. All right. So then we need another definition. Okay. What's, what's his kingdom? If we're supposed to seek his kingdom... Like, I know what it looks like to go seek after food. I know what it looks like to go seek after clothing. I, like, I know that. But what does it look like to seek after his kingdom? What, what, is, what is that? Well, God's kingdom, probably best definition is this, the reality of God's saving reign through Jesus. Okay, well, is that helpful? Maybe. Okay, God's kingdom has come first with the, the coming of Jesus and will come more fully when Jesus comes again. So to seek his kingdom is to strive or to chase after life under the saving reign of King Jesus. Okay? So seeking first his kingdom is to strive or to chase after a life lived under the saving reign of King Jesus. That's what it looks like to seek first his kingdom. It's that my goal in life is not the same as everybody else's goal in life, to attain things. My goal in life is to live joyfully under, submitting to the saving reign of the Lord Jesus. Valuing what he values, having kingdom values rather than worldly values. And we do so knowing that all these things will be added to you as well. You will be taken care of. All right. There's some application that's going to come with that. We're going to get to that in a moment, but I want to look at these last three verses. Okay? So let's look at 32 to 34. And here, the topic isn't so much anxiety as it is fear. So point number two is this. Afraid, receive, and give. He's spoken now to his anxiety-prone, worry-inclined disciples about how they are to not just kind of cope with anxiety, but combat it, come back against it. They are to consider and they are to seek. And now what? In verse 32. Verse 32, fear not, little flock. So there's the command again. Just like before, the command was do not be anxious. Now the command is fear not. So don't don't be afraid. Why not? For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Disciples of Jesus are going to face all kinds of opposition. Already in Luke, we know that people want Jesus dead. And Jesus tells his disciples, because they they hated me, they're going to hate you too. Right? So there's, there's people that hate you, that are opposed to you, that want to see you dead, disciples. But fear not, little flock. 
For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The whole world is chasing after the stuff right in front of them that seems so important, worried about life, food, bodies, all of that stuff. But you have a Father who knows what you need, and you know what He's given you? He's given you the kingdom. Right? They, they, might, they, might, they might do harm to your body, but you have a Father who knows what you need, and He's given you the kingdom. So, receive. Right? And then, give, verse 33 and 34. Jesus says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Like the opposite of seeking to store up and get as much as possible is giving it away, selling it. Here, have it. And Jesus is saying, don't invest in that stuff that somebody's going to just inherit one day uh, when you die. No, invest in stuff that, that it's like storing up treasures in heaven. Invest in something that's not going to grow old, that's not going to fail, that's not going to be stolen, that's not going to be destroyed. Treasure Jesus and His kingdom, which has been given to you. And one of the ways that we do that is we just give away earthly stuff. Just give away earthly stuff. All right. Four questions to consider, kind of an application to each of those points. Question number one. Do I stop to consider... This might be where, well, like, hey, this passage is hitting me here because I know myself and I don't do this very well. I need to hear Jesus' command because I'm anxious, I'm prone to anxiety. And I should, I should point out, uh, you know, there, there's, there's varying levels of anxiety. And for some, like, I'm not saying, hey, this is the only thing. Like, you might, you might have issues with anxiety that require more than just considering and seeking. You might also need some medication that you need to take. Some, but, but even anybody taking medication, will tell you, you don't just take a pill and like it's fine, right? God's Word has counsel for us on how to deal with anxiety. And what Jesus tells us is we need to stop and consider, right? We need to, and maybe for you, you say, I don't do this enough. That's what I say. I say, I don't do this enough. My time away this last week with no cell phone reception was used by God to show me this. I was just sitting in a chair, and I had dropped a little bit of my trail mix, and I just sat there and watched the chipmunk kind of test the waters a little bit, get a little bit closer, and finally he's like, I'm going for that peanut. And he comes after it, and he gets it, and man, that chipmunk enjoyed that peanut. And I enjoyed just watching him. Right? Like God provi- like, usually God doesn't provide trail mix for chipmunks. Usually he eats other stuff, right? But man, he was just happy for that provision. So I just sat and I considered a chipmunk for a while. I sat in the midst of wildflowers and just looked at them like, wow, those are beautiful. I needed that more than I knew. One, one quote I thought of this week, um, I felt a little bit like Bilbo in Lord of the Rings. You remember that quote from the first book where he says, 
to Gandalf, why, I feel all thin, sort of stretched, if you know what I mean, like butter that has been scraped over too much bread. That can't be right. I need a change or something, right? Maybe you feel that way too. Like, man, I'm just, I, I'm not, I don't sit and think about it. I'm not, I don't sit and consider stuff because I'm just like taking stuff in and I'm, I'm all over the place. I realize that that's me too often. I did so much consuming and so little considering, and that needs to change, right? So much consuming and so little considering, and that needs to change. What about you? You doing more consuming? Like you love taking in content. You're always reading something. Like you you pick up your phone. You don't even know why you're picking it up, and you're just looking at it, right? There's always more to consume. And how often do we stop and consider? How often do we stop and fix our attention on something? Think carefully about something. So I'm making some changes, right, in how I deal with distractions. Where does my phone go? There's places in my house that my phone used to go with me. It's just not going with me anymore, right? How much time on a screen is worthwhile? I haven't strolled through any social media for two weeks, and I'm doing okay, (laughs) right? It's good. I'm actually, uh, so on Monday, and just processing through all this stuff, like, I had heard of this book before um, and, and seen an image from like, oh, that sounds really good. So I ordered it. It came pretty quickly. And so I'm already halfway through it. This book called The Wisdom Pyramid. I, I hesitate to recommend a book before I've read the whole thing. That's how far I am, about halfway through it. Um, but a really helpful book in just acknowledging part of our issue and then saying, you know, I remember the old food pyramid? Uh, from from like the the 90s, the food pyramid, like here on the bottom level, this is what you need to consume the most of. And then you get to the top and like, hey, use sparingly, you know, like donuts, like they're not, they're not a grain. They're in the use sparingly category, that kind of thing. He's just acknowledging. So this book is just kind of walking through what do we need to be uh, taking in? If we're going to be uh, wise, how do we become wise? Here's how the book starts. He says this, Our world has more and more information, but less and less wisdom, right? More data, but less clarity. More stimulation and less synthesis. More distraction and less stillness. More opinion and less research. More speaking and less listening. More to look at, but less to see. More amusements, but less joy. There is more, but we are less, and we all feel it, right? And he mentions also everyone has a megaphone, but no one has a filter, right? There's lots of noise out there uh, for you to kind of get involved in and wrapped up in. And so I just appreciate this kind of walking through. What am I going to pursue? What do I need? If I'm going to pursue wisdom, I don't need to consume everything that seems uh, so so bent on, on, on hooking me and bringing me in, right? There's probably a lot of stuff I need to consider more than what seems compelling at the moment. All right, so um, maybe you want to check out that book, maybe not. Maybe I get to the end of it like, ooh, don't read that book. So, so don't take it quite as a recommendation. Just I'm reading it and I'm learning some stuff from it. Um, all right, consider God's care. Consider your value to God, right? Some of you need to do that. Consider your value to God. Some, maybe your problem is I just don't know that God really cares. Listen, he cares about birds and wildflowers. He cares about you. Consider that. All right, number two, what am I seeking? What am I seeking? 
It's so much easier to worry and strive after and seek after the things that the rest of the world sees as important. And the rest of the world thinks sports are really important, information's really important, social media, sex, money, whatever it might be. And what we often do is we strive and chase after the same things that everybody else does. We keep ourselves busy. And I think one of the reasons we like to be busy is because if we slowed down a little bit, we'd have to face our anxieties, our insecurities, and our fears. And so one of the ways that we learn to cope with with that is we just stay busy. I don't think that that's always helpful. We act like we're victims to our calendars when God may be calling us to spend our time and money in radically different ways than the people around us. I started thinking about that. You know, we've got kids and they can be involved in a lot of stuff and there's advantages to being involved in a lot of stuff, but there's also disadvantages to being involved in a lot of stuff, right? Fall is coming, all sorts of things will start up. We need to be thinking as a family, what are we going to commit to? Have we counted the cost of what it means to be on that team or whatever it might be? So easy for us to seek after whatever will entertain us or give us pleasure or keep us busy. One of the ways that we're different is in what we seek after. We're striving after and chasing after different things than the rest of the world. And again, Jesus says it's the kingdom. But, but that's hard because it's not quite as visible. Like it's easier to chase after and strive after and consume things that we see. The kingdom of God is not visible on a super retina XDR 460 pixels per inch OLED display. That's what your iPhone probably has, right? It's easier to seek after something that's visible to me right there than it is to seek after the kingdom. Uh, Seek after what does it look like for me to live my life joyfully under the reign of the Lord Jesus. What if we trusted, though, that our Father knows best and He'll give us everything we need as we seek Him and His kingdom first? I recognize that I've made an idol of being productive. I get a lot of stuff done. But you know what suffers sometimes because of that? Prayer, right? I'm more focused on productivity than prayer. I want to flip that around. I want to prioritize prayer and trust that Well, maybe I'll get less done, but maybe I'll actually get more done because apart from him, I can do nothing anyway, right? Question number three. We'll go through these last two a little more quickly. Question number three. Have I received what is eternal? Remember that verse, verse 32? It's our Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Have you received that? Remember the gospel is not about what we do. There's commands in here, but the gospel, the good news of Jesus is not about what we do, it's about what God has done. The first words of Jesus in the gospel of Mark, Mark 1.15 are this, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus has come, he's coming again, he is the king, he is the Lord, he is the only one who can save. No one can come to the Father except through him. Have you received Jesus? Is it, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, and my hope is that you would receive it, that you would gladly acknowledge your need for a Savior and gladly acknowledge that life doesn't go better when you get to be in charge, but life is better when I live submitted to the Lordship and the reign of King Jesus. That's a gift that frees us, and if you haven't received that 
gift. I'd love to talk to you more about it. It's not by works, right? It's a gift of God so that no one can boast. And then finally, question number four. What temporary treasures do I need to give away? One way to battle our worry and fight our fear is to just give stuff away. That's what Jesus says here. Knowing that something much greater, treasure in heaven, has been given to us. Like, we, we've got that, right? It's almost like we kind of got our hands stuck in a jar because we, like, we saw something that looked sweet. It's like a raisin, right? And, and we put our hand in the jar, and we've got a grip on that. And because we've got a fist, our hand won't come out of the jar. Somebody over here is offering us like a large chocolate extreme blizzard, but we won't let go of the stinky little raisin. Uh, to get our hand out of the jar and take that, right? Nobody likes raisins. Don't, like, let go of the raisin. It's not, it's not that good. Eat a blizzard, people, right? Let go so that we can receive that which is so much better. Maybe there's a possession of yours. Maybe it's just something like, you know what? This get, I just need to give this away to somebody in need. Maybe you need to part with some of your hard-earned money, right? Maybe just like, man, I've worked hard for, like, yeah. And maybe it's got a hold on you more than you think, and you just need to get rid of it, right? Or are there people in need? So I'm on the, the board of the Lighthouse Center of Hope. We just had a meeting this week, and there's all sorts of ways that the Lighthouse is meeting needs of people in the community. There's a need for gift cards there right now. If you're just like, hey, I got some money that's got a hold on me. I don't have a lot of it, but I got money, and it's got a hold. I just want to give some away. Just buy some gift cards for like Walmart, Hy-Vee, Fairway, bring them to the lighthouse um, or give them to me and I'll get them there, right? Uh, maybe it's just like, you know, Steve mentioned, people have been really generous and the, the work that God is doing through this church, in our church, in the community, around the world, through our missions partners, maybe it's just like, you know what, I need to, I need to give more. That's going to help me treasure these things less, I'm not taking it with me. I want to store up treasures in heaven instead. Let's just close with this. Church, anxiety, stress, and fear come pretty easily. Amen, right? (laughs) Don't have to work really hard at getting anxious, stressed out, fearful. We may try all kinds of things to cope with them, or we might just learn to live with them. But I'm so grateful for this passage in Luke that's helped me, at least, to understand how I can combat these these things by obeying Jesus' commands, to consider and seek. Grateful that he's reminded me what I've received and commanded me to freely give. I'm grateful for that. Hopefully it's been helpful for you. Uh, Maybe spend some more time with the application of it this week as well. Let's pray. Uh, so so that's, that's my prayer, God, that, that as this has been helpful for me and as I need to keep doing work on it, I pray that some of this was helpful for some people here. If there's some stuff that I said that's the opposite of helpful, that's not honoring to you, that's not helpful for us, I pray that, uh, that I'd be rebuked for it, that people would forget it, um, but that, that anything that is, that, is, that is good and helpful in this, um, that you would help us to continue to pursue you, to seek you, to consider uh, all sorts of things just in, in the order of your creation that we might stop more often, stop being consumers of so much information and so much content, and that we would instead consider some things a bit more that we would seek first your kingdom and trust that all these things would be given to us as well. That we would be people who, having received the kingdom, having received the free gift of salvation, living happily and joyfully under the reign of King Jesus, that we would freely give 
earthly things away because we've been given a treasure in heaven that is so much greater than anything here on earth. God, help us to be different. Help us to be different than we have been and help us to be different from the rest of the world around us. We need to be changed. We need to be transformed. And I thank you that your word tells us that we are being transformed from one degree of glory to another as we behold the Lord. I know that's part of what we need to do. And so even now as we sing a closing song, I pray that you would help us to behold you, that our eyes would get fixed on you. That as we fix our attention on on something, we would fix our attention on you. And that as in looking at you, that everything else would be put into proper perspective. Oh God, we need your help with that. So please help us for our good, for the good of others, and for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.